eat a burrito in the rain in your undies and just be mad at the world and you know what it's fine because that's what you chose to do james that's right gives you the agency to take charge of your life i'm gonna put some chocolate sauce in my belly button and dip pretzels in it and watch shitty movies god damn it hell yeah it's just gonna be robocop 3 and time cop like a natural man oh man i did watch time cop again the other day Mm. god i love that movie it is good. It is. Well, no, it's not. But it, well, no, it's, it's fantastic is what it is. You know what I saw the other day that I forgot about? Universal Soldiers. Oh, dude. Excellent film. So what I did is I watched Universal Soldiers, Blade Runner, and uh, Soldier. Ooh. Fucking. I mean, great. you dropped Blade Runner out of there, and you got a real back-to-back there. But they're all tied together, homie. Right, but, I mean, the other two are fun in ways that Blade Runner is not. Well, yeah. Blade Runner is like an actual movie. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. But I I, I was that, I was on my lore mode. Remember when I, we were talking about all these other Abaddon movies? Right. I was fucking in huge lore mode. Okay, that's that company, and that's the Terrell, and that's the original part. That That's where they started this, and this is where the, you know... I thought you were going to say that you ventured into the Universal Soldiers sequels. No, I, I, I like myself. Uh, two and three are pretty bad. Universal Soldiers 4? Uh-huh. Strangely good. Really? Because I've, I've, I'm sad to admit that I've watched all of them except the fourth one. Because after the third one, I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm ever going to watch <laughs> yeah. another one. Yeah, of they, they burn you twice and then really, really mm. cram it in your ass with the fourth one. Well, I guess, you know what, if I get some spare time and it shows up on the feed. So, uh, just a preview for that. Van Damme is bald Mm -hmm. and has his face painted half black and half white. But not in the direction that you would immediately think. (laughs) Like he's coming out of water? Yes. Yes, horizontally. Oh, wow. It's bananas, James. You know, I've got to see this now. It's a pretty good action. Like, the action in it is pretty good. So, I mean... It's got that over two and three. Ah, but I don't know. You, you, you've seen Soldier though, right? Oh, of course I've seen I Soldier. I fucking love Kurt that Russell, movie. dude. Nobody talks for like an hour in that whole movie. I love it. Yeah. It was the first time I ever sat through a movie where I should have been bored because it was prior to me reviewing films. It was something about that movie from the minute I started watching it till the time it ended. I just couldn't fucking not watch that movie. Yeah. It's 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 great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had talks with Brad about like, man, we should watch Soldier. Hell yeah. To which he responded, we should fucking watch Soldier. Even if it's not for podcast reasons, we should just watch Soldier. Hell yeah. Anytime you get a chance. Good times. Uh-huh. I've been, uh, I've been really wanting to rewatch uh, The Raid lately, too. I watch that about once a month. Because that's another one I can watch with Toby. Raid and The Raid 2 Redemption. I'll, back to back. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I already know exactly. You mean the Raid the... Redemption and then the Raid 2? Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I get confused. You sure do, but it's all right. But I'll tell you, it's a, it's a good four hours just sitting there. Oh, yeah. Watching Almighty Ass Kicking. Oh, the possibly the best ass kicking ever put to screen. I will say that the um, hammer fight scene in Old Boy. Yeah, oh, that is pretty fucking brutal. <laughs> okay, but I mean, you have to dig hard to find action scenes like especially corridor action scenes oh, i thought i saw some shit in dread but the actual hand-to-hand 
hot. Oh, oh, the one in Snowpiercer is pretty good too. I have not, you know, I tried to watch Snowpiercer. Now, granted, this was prior to me reviewing movies. I tried a couple times. This was back in my drinking days. I, I, I appreciated it. I just couldn't get through it. So Tilda Swinton. Fucking yeah. <laughs> she's, she's fantastic in that movie. And unrecognizable. I like. I, she she always just every time she pops up, it's always a real treat. It was just like, is that? Is that is it's fucking Tilda Swinton. <laughs> but the the amazing thing about Tilda Swinton is 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 a very exotic looking as she is. You forget about that because she can act her ass off. Oh, she's very very good. And that pisses me off. How can you be that that fucking perfect human being looking right and then have that much talent at the same time? You know, God damn it. Yeah, it's like a, a Justin Timberlake situation where you're like, man, you're a real son of a bitch. Just, you I, hope, that? I hope you just personally, like, you have an odor about you or something. Just just to balance it out. Something <laughs> well, unseen by the masses. But anybody gets close to you, just like, did somebody fart? That's Timberlake one, again. One of my favorite uh, just positing on life is... Uh, a friend of mine once described Joaquin Phoenix as being a guy who looks like he smells faintly of pee. <laughs> and nothing against Joaquin Phoenix, but he does. He absolutely looks like a guy that you would be in an elevator with and be like, man, that dude kind of smells like piss. <laughs> like, not fresh piss. Like, I don't think he just pissed his pants. Like, like it was old piss and he slept in it. Yeah, it's like he woke up and said, fuck it, it's dry. Let's yeah. do it. It's a little crunchy, but also I don't feel like doing anything. Yeah, I'm Joaquin Phoenix. Fuck it. Who's going to say anything? Exactly. And what better reason to smell like pee other than like, yeah, I'm Joaquin Phoenix. Go ahead. Tell me I smell faintly of pee. God, can you imagine having that much cachet? Just, you can do something on purpose. Like, I'm not going to shower for okay. two weeks until okay. somebody says something. So, uh, I, I know we're running a little long in the tooth in the intro here, but uh, true story. Mm-hmm. This is what I used to do. I, I don't do this anymore because I'm an adult. But anytime that I would have to go to the DMV, because, mm-hmm. you know, you know when you have to go. Yeah. I would not shower for days <sighs> ahead of time. So that no one would sit by me at the DMV. Oh, well, unfortunately, usually when I go to the DMV, it's in Cook County someplace. And there doesn't matter. Somebody will outstink you. <laughs> it, 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 it's just going to happen. <laughs> then all the smelly people will hang out in the one spot. And you just fucked yourself, basically. Oh. I once went to um, the DMV in the Daily Center. And it took me three hours just to get to a inside of the DMV. It went out and snaked up the stairs and up some more stairs and up some more stairs again. I'll never do that again. No. No. Uh, and speaking of things that stink up the past, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, one of the other hosts. And this week, ha, <laughs> ha, we are tying up some loose ends here. How come we are talking like Jack? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm trying to bring some energy to it because I felt myself droop and I'm waiting for this coffee to really... Uh, it's too cold to droop, homie. Re- really give me the boot. So uh, we're tying up some loose ends in, mm-hmm. in a few different ways. Uh, we are talking about 2023's Hell House LLC Origins colon the Carmichael Manor. 
Written and directed by Stephen Cognetti, starring Bridget Rose Parada as Margot, Destiny Leilani Brown as Rebecca, and James Liddell as Chase. Mm-hmm. So, truth be told, yes. this is the second time we are recording an episode <laughs> about this. The, uh, the first time, apparently, we didn't. Well, well, we kind of did, but it just is out there in the ether someplace. It, yes, we did the thing, but it did not exist after we did the thing. So we're doing the thing again. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be so much the better for it. So, James. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't keep a straight face. What? James. Yes. You handsome son of a gun. Tee-hee. How did you like Hell House LLC Origins colon the Carmichael Manor? I enjoyed this movie. However... I don't know if it's a day I had or what, but I am hard-pressed to remember a single detail of this movie. I have seen it now three times in its entirety. Yes. And, okay, now that we're here, I can kind of remember a few things, and I'm sure I'll get to it. The movie was was fine. It was perfectly all right, but if I think about it as a whole, I think it's a nice topping on the cake of the entire series. Yes. Because each and except for the first one, we've talked about this before. The first one is a fucking mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, it's it's really really good. And the other ones, if you just kept them as themselves, eh, eh especially two was just a slog. Yeah, two's a real slump. But if you watch them all, it it works out. It really pulls them all together. It really makes it worth your watching time. Yeah, uh, this is, in my opinion, easily the second best Hell House film. Absolutely. And I think one of its strengths is it goes back to simplicity. That the first one, that's all it was, was just very simple things that they could do due to budget. Mm -hmm. Now they have a little bit nicer cameras, they got some money. And they're Uh, fucking around with angles a little more. They got a little bit more room to play because they, even though they burnt the Abaddon down, you know, they... Both literally burnt it down and figuratively burnt it down because there's only so many things you can film in one spot and keep it fresh. Right. And I'm, I'm going to use the analogy that I used in the Lost episode to try and uh, describe this to people. It's like a French dip sandwich where you take like a, just a gorgeous beef, just a gorgeous shaved prime rib. A delicious, creamy Swiss, not too salty, not too funky, just dead on perfect, excellently baked Italian bread. And instead of au jus, you just dunked it in a piping hot dish of diarrhea because everything good about this movie is kind of tainted by everything bad about it. Mm -hmm. And again, there are parts of this that I really, really enjoy. It's the second best of the four of them, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. There are some parts that... I think this time around, they took their time a little more, yes. and the movie was better for it, but they still tried to slide some shit in that they had no business putting in there, and mm. it really shows. I would like to have, if we had a time machine, so okay, what's the director's name, Cognetti? Stephen Cognetti. Hey, Cognetti, here's the deal. I got a bunch of money for you. Write all of them right now. I'm going to give you another year. You write all of these. Fucking take your time. Just ease into it. Fill it up. And then we'll cut and we'll make three movies. Boom. You have your trilogy. Because you can see the strength of the writing. It's like, and even in the interviews I read, he's like, oh shit. He'd, he'd written about a, like uh, about 
20 or 30 pages about the whole series, right? Right. Back in the day. And figured, well, I get it or I won't get it. <clears throat> well, he got it. But there wasn't enough in those 20 pages. There really wasn't. So he, had, he finally had time to write after the third one to make it all make sense again. Because it, a little of it got away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there were scenes they planned they couldn't do. There were things that they were originally, in, you know, they had dropped or they were going to add. You know, there were things that they couldn't have done just due to constraints. And they finally finished it up. And I think that strengthened it. But had they been able to do it right from the beginning, I think this could have been an even more amazing thing. Because you can see all the ideas put in this last film. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not completely held down by the, the constriction of this hotel. We can take the idea yes. of this evil and expand it. Like we were talking about the Friday the 13th. Yep. Okay, so now it just has to have a little, it doesn't have to all be found footage. It can be, you know, eventually he opened it up so it can be a movie movie. Mm-hmm. And because the, the found footage constraints, I think, are starting to show the wear. It, absolutely. And again, moving this to a separate location is a, was a very good idea. Mm-hmm. But... It it may be, have been effectively too little, too late, because e- even he has said, you know, like man, going even into the third one, like I'm out of ways to shoot this fucking hotel, so let's just be done with it. And and again, we keep talking, or I kept talking about plausibility, and he was right. Had they strengthened, I mean, I was I was starting to get a little pushed by some of the stuff, but I'm like, okay, I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I get it now. But they pushed that constraint so far that it started to see the seams. You started to see the zippers on it, and it was starting to bug me. And if they pushed it any further, it would have taken me completely out of the film. And absolutely right. And I think that is, in, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how he feels about it, but it's one of the films, this film's biggest weaknesses, is feeling obligatorily tied to the Abaddon. Oh, no, he's, he's outright said it. Yes. <laughs> he's outright said it. He's like, look. You know, it's great. I'm glad that I got a chance to make these, but you know, there's I can't tell any more stories from this. Yes, I am. I literally don't have any more stories, and you know, if it's going to be my thing, if if I have to keep doing them, I I will. But in the brief little bit of interview that I saw with him, he flat out said, "Like I don't really want to do found footage anymore. I want to make a film because all of these shots that I'm you know coming up with." I, I have to scrap a lot of them because they don't work in the found footage format. Mm-hmm. Sure, found footage opens some doors to you logistically and as far as budget, but when you want coverage and you want angles and you want you know to really put a film together, you're not really allowed to do that. And and think about think about this. Um, as a director, you only have a certain amount of things for your palette. You know what I mean? And angles are one of the huge one of the huge tools you have as a director. And if you don't have those angles and you can't use them to, you know, give any depth to your shot, to give any, you know, to really pull out your lead or to do any of the things that you need to do because you're limited on space and it has to be on this shitty camera. And, and if you do want to set that up, it looks very, very obvious because found that's not what found footage is. Mm-hmm. It's not these beautiful shots. That's why, like, there's a few times in... Um, uh, not Emily Rose, uh, the one with the old lady, Deborah Logan, mm. where it was clearly set up shots. Like, I appreciate it. It looks great like that. Like upstairs it, in the organ, yeah. But it betrays your found footage. 
angle. And yeah. I guess true to found footage, he did scrap a lot of those. But there are a lot of interesting shots in this that I think are really, 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 really effective and good. And you can you can tell, like, I want to see what else he can do because you, you can tell just by the choices that Cagnetti's made already. He gets it. Yeah, he's got a great eye, and and you just give him the right stuff. He's like, I hate to say it about the writing because he wrote it himself, but I think he wrote it under, like, very strict time. Like, we got to get this fucking in the can, buddy. You you better produce now. Yeah. And, you know, it it, it suffered again from single voice. Not as bad as it has in in, in some of the other ones, but if he would have had time to, like, you know, work with somebody else or get a couple other voices. Um, well, and that's what I kind of feel like because I the performances in this are f- probably the one of the I, obviously the second best in the series. The first one being a, a real shining star, but I feel like he gave the actors a little bit more rope because it does sound less samey yes. in this one than it does in especially two. Mm-hmm. Two feels like it is all written by the same person, oh, which God, yes. obviously it is, but it shouldn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think the other thing that we, we kind of touched on before I'd like to bring back is that um, it's a completely female-driven leads, 100%. Yep. And it, 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 it wasn't, it didn't felt, it didn't feel like it was an inclusive thing. It's just, these are the people that are doing it. You know, it, there was no explanation given, no explanation needed. These two women were together, together, and they were the lead of this film. Yep. And that is one thing that, again, I, I have to praise Stephen Cognetti for is that there are people of color, people of different sexual orientations littered throughout this series. And, and, and again, never does it, it's never like a tip of the cap. We're including everybody. No, it just happens that, hey, these are the best actors we have for it, and uh-huh. now we've got this, this piece. Boom, let's do this. And I, again, I think all of the cast in this is very good, but good God, Destiny Leilani Brown as Rebecca, oh, God, she yeah. is so fucking good in this movie james well because she has the entire range of human emotions okay we're going on a trip this Uh trip is fucked up i'm pissed at you i'm pissed at you fuck it let's leave silly goofy mad and scared i mean acting in just kind of some deep relationship stuff oh god yeah as well like it's really really good in Again, I think he sat down and really took the time to write this or let the actors have a little bit more uh, free range with it in saying that, hey, maybe my character would say this instead of mm-hmm. something, you know, whatever line was on the page. And, so, and, and the actual like depiction of a relationship. Did this movie need that? No. But it was there. It was a very in-depth relationship down to good times, bad times. I, near the end, when they were complaining, you know, what was it? Um, she came in and said, hey, you know, this is, all, you know, we need to leave. Well, before this, you know, I thought you wanted to come with me, you know, and the other one was belittling. You know, I'm only here because, you know, your cockamamie adventures and all this bullshit. Yeah, there's that entire part where, yeah, uh, Rebecca wants to leave and she is yelling about, listen, I have an actual job. I love that you have this little hobby, but that's exactly what it is, is a hobby. It doesn't do anything for us. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> like, oh shit, that's a real stab in the heart. And and when I heard that, I'm like, oh, 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 that that is a deep, deep. It sounds like a throwaway line, but you know, if you've ever been in a relationship, when somebody belittles the one big passion in the other person's life, that's a hard, hard thing. It's it's a real hard hit. And then in the last night after they run back into the house. The camera turns on and, you know, like, why the fuck are you still filming? Well, you know, now is the time that we should be filming so that somebody can find this. And then I think it's one of the next lines is just, I thought you wanted to come. I'm sorry for bringing you here. I know. And that was a fucking. In this literal life and death, life and death situation. It's one of the last things is I'm so sorry for getting you into this. And that humanizes everybody because we've, I've had that complained about a lot of the movies. It's like, come on, at least let me care a little bit. So the death means something. Mm -hmm. I cared deeply about everyone. Um, the brother, Uh you know, and he was having hallucinations and all that other shit before they started. And I'm like, Oh no, this is going to be bad. And it was when they cut to him outside, just walking and walking back and forth. And I'm like, fuck me running. Uh huh. And then I was like, is that him? Or is that the brother from the 89? Because he was he was pacing too, and it was like I had to look to see if he had the slang or didn't have the slang. So it would do all those little mind fucky things too. Uh huh. And just his performance is really fucking good too, because he's a very interesting character. Somebody who is on psych meds, and as soon as Rebecca hears that he's coming, she's immediately like, God damn it! Like, no, he's not another pair of hands. He's a liability. But he shows up and he's perfectly nice, perfectly fine. Seems rational as fuck. Yeah. And everybody seems to get along. And it's one of those, again, relationship things like, God damn it, your brother's coming. But she's more than civil. Yeah. And even agrees with him in the in moments. But, it, you know, I could just picture, you know, and, and that's one of the good things about humanizing these characters. Because instead of just listening to the conversation, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second. You know, <laughs> fucking if my brother, <laughs> this is supposed to be our trip. You're inviting people. To, we should have talked maybe. Yeah. But that was all done in subtext, and it was it was well well done too. The acting in there was absolutely amazing. And that's one of the things that this one definitely has a strength over two and three, and maybe even one as far as characters go, because there's only three. Mm-hmm. It allows us to get deeper into these people who are experiencing this thing together, rather than especially two when there is what nine different characters and we didn't care about any of them till three because they gave us the backstory in three exactly and i cared about them in retrospect yeah and two of the characters or at least one the psychic uh the psychic medium whatever and his cameraman they're killed like immediately Mm -hmm. well they didn't fucking need to be here did they (laughs) which makes which makes anything that happens to any of these people at any time that that much more suspenseful It, it gets me drawn in that much more because these characters are real. They're not cutouts. They're not future bodies. They're not, these are actual people. I've been in, in my head, I've been in conversations with these people mm-hmm. and they've become real to me. That's how good the acting, they become real to me. So anything happens, I'm invested. And uh, so when things happen, well, God damn, mm-hmm. do they happen? And it's not, it's not as stark as the other movies. No. Except for the one scene that I now remember that will stick with me for the longest fucking time. And it was an easy effect. It was just, you know, fake, fake um, eyeballs, right? But the lighting, you could see the sweat on the body. 
And as it turned, you could see the liquid from kind of almost still dripping. It wasn't still dripping, but in my head it still was. And just the stillness with the light movement of the limbs and everything. And obviously it was an actor with prosthetics. But with the lighting, the mood, everything that involved, the camera angle, the reactions of everybody else, even knowing that it's prosthetic. Every time I see that, I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. And where this, I, I want to bring this back because all of the very, very simple things that they do in this film are far more effective than when they really like swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. Because all of the gore scenes, besides the one that you were describing at the very end, but all the flashbacks with the family, those do not look good. No. And I really, really wish that they were not there. Mm-hmm. Especially the uh, one where the camera is going up the stairs to uh, right behind Rebecca. Oh, yeah. And it's the shot with her in uh, like a little girl or a teenage girl in the room. Mm-hmm. Then the teenage girl's looking at her. Mm-hmm. And then it's the up close with this scarred face in her. Screaming into her face, like, man, that looks bad. Had you cut it 12 seconds earlier, that would have been absolutely fantastic. Or even even if you'd have just done it a quick, like, okay, you see it, you see it, the monitor is closer, it's closer. You turn around, nothing. You look at the monitor, it's still there. You look at it, and then you see it, boom, ah, and then it disappears, boom. I would have been fucked up for days. Uh-huh. But it, it froze on that image. <laughs> That was too much. I, you know, I, I guess for some viewers, they need to see that. I don't. No. I would rather fill it in. It breaks the tension for mm-hmm. me. But again, I, I'm an older person, and you know, a lot of the shorthand that I use for movies has changed over the years. And because there's so many more new movies, the shorthand is completely different, and I miss a lot of it. So when it's still written for old people like that for me to get, I enjoy it. But man, one of my absolute favorite sequences is when they are going to the, uh, the ladies are going to the antique store and they leave Chase there by himself. And he's, they ask him to constantly have the camera running. So he's doing a little goofy montage, whatever. Him brushing his teeth and he hears a noise, walks out into the hallway, sees the red nose in the hallway. That fucking nose, dude. And from the, uh, the large, like, French doors that were in the middle of this hallway that was old storage that has the clowns in it, sees just the shadow walking back and forth mm-hmm. a few times while its cre- floorboards are creaking. Mm-hmm. It walks into the room, just the clowns standing still in the same position they've always been in. So goddamn simple, but just a shadow moving. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying because, again, it's a human scare. Well... It's something that if you and I saw just a shadow moving around in a house you were staying in. I'd be the fuck gone. Yeah. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. I didn't believe in that shit, but I'd be gone. But man, my absolute favorite scare in this, James, Mm. my fucking favorite part of this entire film. After he goes down the stairs and is looking around because, you know, he's still heard floorboards creaking and a shadow. He walks down a hallway, looks all around in a room. Turns around, exits. Looks back, looks at the wall, and there is an arm on the wall. God damn. Because you you see the hand kind of creep a little bit, and then you see the whole arm? Because it's slightly out of focus, so it just looks like something on the wall until you realize, fucking, that's a hand. Mm -hmm. And then the arm comes out. Yeah. Well, the hand slowly disappears, Mm -hmm. 
as he's standing there going, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And then the head pops out. Mm-hmm. James, again, I watch this three or four times. Every time I look at it and go, God damn, that's good. Again. Because it's just a motionless person who pops out of a doorway yep. and stands there for a very long time until it very slowly Holy. pulls back behind the wall. And It's so creepy. And again... It's the taking your time. If you to rush that, that's dog shit. And this again speaks to the the skill of the director because if you think about it, you're on set, lighting, lighting, lighting. Okay, places. It's very. You have to know what it looks like in the end result in your head, because while you're doing it, you know. So they had just the idea that you can take that little visual with all these moving parts and make it that effective. It's like the uh, the blanket or. You know, the blanket turning into something. Yeah. Or it's just the raising of a blanket or just a face peering down. It, it hits that uncanny valley. It's like, did I see something? Did I not see something? Holy shit. And even when you see it, and you can see it, see it, you, your brain's going, you did not fucking just see that. Uh-huh. And that, that makes the scares that much more, again, speaks to the skill of the director. To be able to take all those disparate things and have them just come come to you on the on your screen so you can see it and have be that affected by it. It just knocks me out. And I I know we've kind of joked about how the demons that come out of the Amadon <laughs> kind of look silly. The goblins. Yeah, they kind of just look like Scream, mm-hmm. like Ghostface from Scream. Yeah. But again, I think used very effectively in this film because they're trying to walk away from the uh, manor. Because the car won't start mm-hmm. when they're trying to leave. So they're wandering through the forest. They find like a little, like, what well, kind of looks like an outhouse almost. Yeah. Like almost like a trading post. Yeah. In the, was it a nine mile walk? Yep. Down these woods. And they get to a part where there's just some wrecked cars. Yeah. And, and a, an a old trailer. Winnebago, in a trailer. Yeah, old meth trailer. Yep. And a hearse. Mm, yeah, oddly. And off in the distance, boom, there's the first time that we see the demons. Mm-hmm. And they see them and go, what the fuck is that? Camera uh, quickly whips down toward the ground somewhere, quickly whips back two of them. Yep. And shrieking in the woods. Again, yeah. it's just two dudes in robes, and you overlay some shrieking sounds over top of it. But it's so effective because it's not up close, and you can't look at it and go, <laughs> These are guys in black clothes. Yeah, no, it's just a far off these hooded figures and you go, oh shit, oh shit. Plus, they were used sparingly. Yes, they were used sparingly. Like they could have overdone the clowns. In fact, I'm sure, I'm sure Cagnetti was like, can we fucking do this without the clowns? Can we just try it without the clowns, please? Just but, a bit. but instead, he made the clowns like the most intricate part of the film. Right, but they were they were both yes and no. It's like okay, the clowns are there. And now we know the story behind the clowns, but the clowns didn't effectively do anything in this movie. Yeah, I was waiting for them to get to a reason why they were important. Right. Because all it said is that they were the closest confidants of a... They were the starters. Of, they were the originators of the cult with, um, what's his face? Tully. Tully, yeah. But it, it, that's very sparse. That's, again, it's like two minutes of lore mm-hmm. in this very lore-driven series now. Yeah. There's about two minutes of, yeah, they met at this uh, county fair in West Virginia, formed the cult, and then moved here and set up their sham hotel. Mm-hmm. 
But I think they're going to tie it in with the, the traveling fair because they were carnival workers. Exactly. And there is a, uh, th- we just figured out today, in fact, there is a post-credit scene. Oh, yeah. I, I got to go back to the other ones because I could have missed all the post-credit scenes. There could have been one in every movie and just didn't fucking know. Yeah, there very well could be, and we could have just been very impatient. Because I'm usually very quick to turn a movie off. Well, I, I go through, I'll go through the movie to read the credits for, like, you know, because I'm that guy. I want to see who craft services <laughs> just because they fucking worked. And I, I want to read their little names, okay? Right. I'm that guy. But I, I haven't had the time or the patience lately. So I guess I'm going to have to go back and check the end three minutes of the, the screens. Uh-huh. So I guess... Uh, so the post credit scene lets us know that they're starting the fair back up in the field where the Abaddon Hotel was. Because nothing bad could happen after that. At all. <laughs> no, no, nothing bad has happened there for the last 10 years. I think it was on an Indian burial ground, too. I'm, I'm not sure. I've heard a rumor. But I, <laughs> why don't we just put it up there, right? Yeah, there was a site of a massacre, too. Great, let's, let's do two fairs. So here's what I'm wondering, though, because... Uh, at the beginning, Margot says that she has been to Rockland County, New York, once when she was a kid. And it's kind of hushed at the very, very beginning. Almost it's abducted? At. Yes. Brother caught, found her or something? Yeah. Uh, she was almost abducted, lured away until she realized something was wrong and screamed and people saved her. But many, many people were abducted from that county fair. Yep. Hmm. And it's the county fair where the clowns were. It's also the county fair where a lot of people have a tie to. That's why, like, they finally explained how some people knew that song without ever hearing it. So, is this one playing with time again? Yeah, obviously. Okay. It's obviously That's the part of this story that really uh, sours my puss. Yeah, but I'm willing to let it go because it was interesting enough. As long as they don't get too much, because I hate it. I think that um, like that time thing can be either well done or a cheat. Uh huh. You know, and I don't like it when it's used as a cheat. Yeah. Wink, wink, Marvel. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's a uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff. Um, a lot of good stuff. The butterfly effect, for example. <laughs> I'm, I, hold on. We are going to pause the podcast here, and you are going to explain to me why you think the butterfly effect is good. Okay, I wouldn't say that it's a good movie. I'm saying it's good in that that explains all the time travel and why the things happen the way they did. So there's no loose ends. To me, that's important. Okay. And that makes a good time effect. If you can look at it and, and you know, connect all the dots and go, okay, that, that happened because of this or that happened because of that. That's a good time travel movie. If it's just <laughs> time cop, as we talked about earlier. Okay, but there's ass kicking in there. There's, there's, that's a whole different. That's a whole oh, different there is thing. some ass kicking. Hell yeah! You can you can cover up a lot of a lot of bullshit by giving me some great action sequences. <laughs> Watching Van Damme do the splits. Hell's yeah! <laughs> but for the most part, though, in order to be a good time flick, it has to make sense. It has to have an internal logic. If it's Deus Ex Machina, fuck this movie. You know, but if it, if it furthers the plot and makes sense, I'm down for it. But if it's, a, if it's a cheap effect to explain some shit, fuck this movie. So then I guess the important question that I have for you is, do you hope that this series continues? Because I'm going to be honest, I really hope this is the stopping point or for I think- the Hell House mythos. 
And I hope he just makes movies about yeah. other things. Or just a straight up horror film, even if it even if it just has this one tangential or I can't ever say that word. Even if it's tangentially, you know, touching yeah. it just in this odd little bit, but it's its own thing. Yeah. I'd be down for that too. Kind of like how uh, uh, Benson and Moorhead, the endless guys. Yeah. They, they have, you know, the red flowers and whatever in a bunch of their shit. Like their entire universe is somehow connected in most, if not all of their films. Yeah, but it's not an integral part of what you're exactly. doing. Exactly. You know, so then that's a fun little Easter egg for people who give a fuck. Right. And if that if he makes more movies where he throws an Easter egg out to Abaddon fans, fucking A. But yeah, I'd like to see him go completely, just like, fuck a found footage. I'm going to show you what I know how to do with the camera because I have been having one of my hands tied behind my back this entire time. And let me show you something. I, I also, I really hope that because the good instincts that he has are immeasurably good and especially to do a lot of the things that he has done under the umbrella of found footage because even in that brief interview that i saw with him he was talking about how like yeah found footage opens doors but it closes a lot too and also like it's it's hard to justify why there's a camera rolling Mm -hmm. and i've done it for four films now I just want to make a movie, movie, and, and I completely agree. Let's take a look. When, when did um, the first one come out? Oh, Christ. Um, 2014? 14? Okay, so... 15, maybe? All he's been doing for the past nine, ten years are these Abaddons. And he's got the chops. He's got the writing chops. He's got the filming chops. But he's hamstrung. And I'm hoping, beyond all hope, that he crowdfunds something, he does something, just to show, hey, look, I know you guys think that I'm all about the Abaddon, but watch this. Just if he could get funding for a short to prove it. You know, hey. Oh, I, again, I, neither of us know this, man. He might have shorts that he's made that are really good that he's shopped around that just haven't reached the light of day. Oh, yeah. Who knows? But from what I have seen, just of him doing found footage, because he has to. Mm-hmm. His horror instincts are beyond good enough to be making feature films, like film films. Absolutely. You know what I'd like to see is um, we've seen some real cool arty movies from other places, you know, that are just amazingly written, done, filmed, everything. I want to see like an American horror auteur, like somebody that fucking, you, you talk your shit, but I'm down for horror movies. Yeah, I'll make another movie, but I really want to make horror movies and has like, you know, that whole artistic cachet behind them and just really fucking do oh, it. James, they exist in droves. I know, but I'd like to see them make it, make it, like have a bunch of movies, you know? Like well, other... that's kind of how James Wan started out. Yeah. I mean, Saw was basically a college film. Yeah, I guess so. And I, I mean, as far as a, a beautifully made films, handcrafted films, a Ty West, obviously. So I guess we do have them. I just... I wish we had more, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, Oz Perkins. Oh, fuck Oz Perkins. Yeah, I didn't mean fuck Oz Perkins. I mean, fuck yes, Oz Perkins. Yeah, like he's apparently got a movie with Nick Cage coming out called Long Legs that I'm very excited about. Okay, traditionally, I, you know, when you, when you, say, when you say Nick Cage, I'm like... Take it or leave. Yeah, but when you attach him to somebody, a name, I'm like, oh. Because I got to remember, Nick Cage can act his ass off. Oh, he sure can. 
It's just he, he, he's been on a, uh, I got to pay off my debt. Uh, who's got a movie for me? Yeah. He hasn't I, had time to really work on his I, craft. I built myself a pyramid grave in Louisiana. Got to pay for this motherfucker. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've got three more contractual obligation films. So <coughs> I, I, I'm going to take a brief tangent here. Have you seen Next? Yes. The Nick Cage movie Next? Oh, hell yeah. Good God, what a film. <laughs> I, it's one of those I saw it the other day, and I really considered putting it on, but I knew immediately that the, the person next to me would have said, fucking what is this? I have seen that movie no less than five or six times. God, I love it. It's so bad. I Why know. is Julianne Moore there? It, well, it's that like whole live, live or what, um, that Tom Cruise movie where he's fighting the fucking robots and he wakes up every morning. Oh, I love that I love that movie, movie too. Love it to but, death. I mean, I love the concept. I love the, you know, as much as I talk shit about Tom Cruise, I sure the fuck love his movies. Oh, yeah. You know? They're, they're a hoot. They are indeed a hoot. But it has that whole same vibe to it, you know? You got you wake up and you do the same thing over and just, yeah, you know, I love that shit. But, man, I, again, I really want to see Stephen Cognetti, like, because I know he wants to in everything that I've seen, just him personally and Red. He wants to make these movies, and well, I think it would be really, really good when he gets the opportunity to do so because well, yeah. he, he's got the chops. He's got everything that you need to make films, and he's just trying to slide it into these, mm -hmm. and they're getting uh, different because of that, but, you know. <laughs> well, I think he's also got enough money that he... Okay, this is not casting aspersions. Anybody's cast before this movie, Okay. But you can tell he's getting more actor-actors. Like, you know, people who've done other things. As opposed to, okay, you can act, you're pretty good, come on. You know what I mean? Or if yep. you've done some theater, come on. No, now he's got some money to pay some people to act. And you, it's showing. He's got, he had a little more time to write. It's showing. And it, it seems like the more, the more you give this guy, the more time you give him, the better the movie. I want to see this guy with some time and some money. To throw around, get get some co-writers, and you know, really dig in. I want to see what the fuck this guy can do. Yeah, and I mean, you don't have to get like you know Tom Cruise or The Rock. No, I, I'm there's almost no way he couldn't get like a Benicio del Toro. <laughs> right. Or think about this: if you are okay, let's say you direct and you're around millions of actors, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them with their cards ready to work, right? Who's to say you can just go, oh, fuck, you're really good. Nobody's seen you yet. The fuck over here. You, you can uh -huh. act your ass off. Let's get five other people in it there yourself. It doesn't matter at this point in my career. Because, again, I cannot express enough how good the performances in this film are. Again, amazing. They are really good. And, and down to the, a lot of the talking heads. They're fine. They're fine. But these look like people that were like, these were newscasters, and then you see them in their off minutes. And, and, and you're getting both. You're getting the newscaster and the person. You know what I really like, too? Hmm. And this is just a very small detail, but I, I hope it was intentional. There are characters who say both Abaddon and Abaddon. Yes. And that, it just brings that little bit of realism mm -hmm. because people are dumb and will refuse to pronounce things correctly. Or do their, do their due diligence. Exactly. So you're talking about that fucking Abaddon thing again? Yes, we're talking about the Abaddon thing. Yeah, fucking Abaddon, whatever. Uh-huh. Oh, one of the things that I really want to call out, too, that I think is a, one of the best ideas in the film hmm. 
and it is the way that it is tied to the Abaddon Hotel, is that they go to the antique store, Mm -hmm. and Rebecca happens to know, because she had been looking at, like, antiques, that this certain clock has a hidden compartment in it, Mm -hmm. and that's where they find all the things linking the Carmichaels to the Abaddon. Again, I just think that's so fucking smart. Well, my I, when I was a kid, my mom used to take me antique and all over the fucking place. If there was an antique store, and I used to hate it, but then I got into it. But I learned like with certain desks, if you push certain drawers in, you can pull it out. So every time I'd go to an antique store, I'm checking everywhere for secret compartments and these neat desks or the old clocks and stuff. So when they did that part in the movie, I'm like, oh, somebody's been to antique stores. Somebody knows something. Hell yeah. Because I've never found anything. Somebody's been stoned on their couch watching Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's so many times I've gone in, I've I've found a whole bunch of secret compartments. I never found anything cool, but I love that little, that little piece. I love it when people put pieces in there that I can find later, you know? Uh Uh-huh. It just, you didn't need to do that. They could have just gotten some, bought some artifacts and it could have been haunted. (laughs) But no, they took the time to go like, oh, you know, it'd be cool as if they found like all of this evidence in a clock and then stole it from the antique store. Well, and I was just thinking about the whole thing um, with the whole Carmichael Manor. I know they had to have something to have the haunt, but I think uh, it was it was done all right. But when I look at it as an overview, it was kind of ham-handed. They could have done less and made more out of it. I think they gave us too much of the Carmichael family. Right. And um, the, if you think about when they were filming it with the home video, it, it just wasn't right. No. And and I get why they did it, but I'm like, oh, if you're going to give me this, make it look right, please. You've but got I, so much other stuff, right? You can just, mm. One of the few, th- uh, like, writing things that, again, I went like, oh, that's clever, is that they found those film canisters, and then Margot had mailed them to her partner. And by the time they had reached her partner, she had been dead for several days. Yes, and I like... Just one of those, again, those little ticks where you go, oh, okay. All right, well, you just added a layer for me to, again, deepen myself into your horseshit story that you well, got going Well, the thing, too, here. is I in some of these movies, I had difficulty as to why am I seeing this? How am I seeing this? Because with the found footage, the footage has to be found. Through which eyes am I seeing it? Is this curated or is this one of the characters seeing this on their computer? Or is this curated as a, a full thing from another source? Because that makes, that makes a complete difference in how I perceive the movie. If it's curated by a firm, I know there's more to come and it's curated from a certain eye. So I can take a look at all the pieces if I want to and extrapolate other things that might come up. Plus it allows you to, again, kind of push more traditional filmmaking because there are music stings in this. Yes, and I thought that was odd. But again, it was compiled by her partner who has all this footage. And put together into this film. And that's why where this is coming from is important to me as a viewer. Uh-huh. Even subconsciously, because I didn't really think about it until we're discussing it, but that was a, one of my thought processes. Is like, through whose eyes am I seeing this? Is this a curated picture, or is this what they've seen as they went along? And I love the fact that they explained it. And this movie's timeline was a little easier for me to follow, because it just seemed like... One thing after another, after a very certain amount of time, it didn't seem like it was, you know, trying to confuse me time-wise or place-wise. It gave me my tension just through the actual story as opposed to the tricks that they've used before. Right. So. Yeah. 
So, all in all, James, yeah. would you recommend not only the Carmichael Manor, but the entire Hell House series? I would say that if you enjoyed the Hell House movie, and I couldn't see how you wouldn't if you like found footage. Yep, because I am a real sucker for found footage movies, but... Man, now that we're on our fourth, mm-hmm. this is starting to test me. Well, I couldn't do another one, but I don't feel insulted for having watched this. No, 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 no. I feel like I learned a lot of things about filmmaking. I feel like I learned a lot of things about how to tighten up a story. I think I learned a lot about, you know, plausibility and how to, you know, package things for an audience to understand. I learned a lot of that through this movie. And, and again, when we're watching a lot of these directors, we're watching... You know, we're watching the beginning of a lot of careers right now or the, you know, just a stepping off point where these people are just starting to to get something. And, and it's almost like a master class watching these. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did they film it? Why did they film it this way? What how did they get me to feel that deeply about this one scene when it's just so simply oddly shot? It was it the lighting. Was it the timing? What was it about that? Yeah, because filmically, this is worlds better than the original hell house oh yeah but the original hell house the reason that it has the feel that it does is because it's cheaper it wasn't grimier it's dirtier it works because found footage footage is not supposed to look like cinema it is supposed to look like found footage and as you said as a a filmmaker trying to get something made it's the cheapest easiest not easiest as far as writing Right. But easiest to film, you know, and again, the only thing that you have to think about as a found footage director is plausibility. Why is that camera there? And where do I have to make concessions due to a single camera? Mm -hmm. And and again, there's so many movies we saw that did so many cool things. The Lazy Susan from the other one. Yep. It's really good. Yeah. But I I think that... um, all in all, I would suggest this series. If you like, if you're a lore person, watch this movie. You'll have fun with it. It's going to take a minute to get to it, but you, it will reward you if you pay attention. And I've seen a couple of these. You know, I've watched a few things from the first, second, and third, just to kind of remind myself because it's been a while. And um, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot about that. Oh shit, yeah, they did this. Oh, oh, that's why they know that song. So if you're into that, that's there for you. Could it have been done better? Probably. But not for the money that they spent and not for the time that they had. I think it was absolutely 100% an amazing thing to have pulled out of your ass. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as much as I talked shit about the second one, it is a real slump. And it's very obvious. But all in all, having now seen all four of the Hell House movies Mm -hmm. in pretty short order, it's not bad. And the second one, or the second one actually is better having seen the the Lake of Fire. Because then you know the the people that died before you didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But now I already, when I went in to look at pieces, I'm like, oh, fuck, don't do that. Why? Oh, no. Because I care about that person now. And I'm just, before I was like, fucking knucklehead, what are you doing? Now I'm like, oh shit. That's what I, I, I'm very split on if I want there to be a fifth Hell House movie because, again, it could be good. It could be really good. He could make Hell House 5 and make it the, the not found footage, just a cinematic film. But I, I really want to see what else he's got 
in his tank besides this. Oh, hell because yeah. Because, again, for the eighth or ninth time, he's got the chops. Oh, hell yeah. To do it. And I, I really want to see him thrive because these are better than they should be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lesser person could have just, okay, I got the fun in. Let's knock it out. Let's see what we got next. Come on, let's roll these out. Abaddon, we can stick our name on 10 more of these. Who's, come on, just crank it up. I got, I got the film. I got the sets. Yeah. We can do three movies here. Yeah, we got investments from Eastern Europe or whatever. <laughs> yeah, shit. I mean, it could have gone that route. But instead, decided to say, okay, I've got this much time. I've got these people. How good can we make this? How good this, can we fucking make this? This is my resource pool. This is what I have to work with, and I'm going to do my best. Again, creativity what, what through constraints. You, what else could you ask for from a filmmaker? Absolutely nothing. I mean, the chutzpah, the actual Laganas, the drive, the desire, everything you could possibly want, this person has shown. Uh-huh. Fucking let's reward that shit. Goddamn right. Watch the hell out of this guy's movies. And speaking of being rewarded, hey, James, where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on the Facebook. We got a little page. We can also find us where all fine pods are caught. And if you wouldn't mind going to any of those p- fine pie, pod... Blah, 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 yes, blah. fuck. I, I fucking dick the dog on this one. If you'd like to go to any of those fine podcatchers and anywhere where you can leave us a five-star review or a five-word written review, we would really appreciate it. It's something free that you can do to help us out. Mm-hmm. Helps get the word out about the show. And... Breathe. Send us 500 bucks and I'll make Chris do a girls podcast. You shut your fucking mouth. You You can send me the check personally if you know me personally. I'm going to make this motherfucker do it. Porky mouth piece of crap. You knock it off. You knock it off. I don't, I really don't want to watch New Girl James. I know. That, I, dude, I watched again that one episode and I was enraged. (laughs) I know. That that is a thing that existed. Yep. And I'm going to make you watch the second one. All we need is 500 bucks and Chris will do it. (laughs) All we need is $500. I will make Chris watch it. Every time he wants to not watch it, I'll just wave that 500 bucks in front of his face. (laughs) And we will steal your money and never do it. (laughs) Oh, no, no, Chris. (laughs) We will do it. All right. Push the button. Can we be done here? Push the button. Yeah, I think we've wandered pretty far astray. Push the fucking button. In Ow. wonderful With life the finger that we call. Thing and push the button. Bye, everyone. Bye.